Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's cool fact of the day is that, believe it or not, one out of 20 people has an extra rib. I have no idea if that has anything to do with biblical legend or not. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io Dave for a seven-day free trial. You're listening to Podcast 49 with Dave and Alexis. Alexis. What's your biohack of the week? If you're new to the show, we always talk for a little while about sort of what we're doing to upgrade ourselves, and it's usually something interesting. So, Alexis, what's up? So, earlier today, you called to my attention use of the word um in the last Q&A podcast. And so, my biohack is to use the M wave and think about what I want to be doing instead, which is to allow extra space to be in there, particularly because if I think don't say um, then the last thing my brain hears is say um. It's like, don't think about the pink elephant. Quick, what aren't you supposed to be thinking about? 
I love this one because one of the big bulletproof sorts of modalities is feedback. And feedback works when it's really, really fast. So if you're doing something either positive or negative and you can get feedback in really short orders, your nervous system and your brain take it much more quickly than if you say, listen to the show when we were done and counted the number of ums and decided next time I'm gonna do better. So what we're gonna do on this show, which is my biohack of the week, at least one of them, is every time I hear you say um, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna do as fast as I can and let's see how this works. At the end of the show, if people are paying attention, maybe they'll notice how many times you did or didn't say um, and we can compare it to past episodes on a very kind of quantified basis. But regardless, let's see how it works. And I'm not doing this to be mean, but actually because the real-time feedback, I think is going to totally radically upgrade the way you think while you're speaking. And I actually think that it's going to be the M-Wave and my cognitive set that's going to help me rather than you making a smacking sound. <laughs> well, let's see. And the M-Wave is a heart rate variability training device that is at the core of my executive coaching practice. When I'm working with clients, I insist that they get one of these devices that cost about 99 bucks. Uh, we carry them on upgraded self. And this is something that teaches you to turn off the anxiety response in your nervous system in a few minutes a day. So Alexis, correct me if I'm wrong, before the show you did do a series of heart rate variability training exercises? Yes. Nice, so you're all wired in for this. This is gonna be kind of fun, real-time on-the-air biohacking. And now in the interest of sharing, I've been doing all kinds of crazy stuff lately. And one of the things I've noticed is that Earthing is something I'm a fan of. This is the idea of electrically connecting yourself to the earth so that you can sleep better. I've noticed something though. They have for sale like $300, $400 earthing sheets. Yet for sleep quality, I get exactly the same improvement if I use like the $12 little wristband or a little band on the body. So the point isn't to blow a huge wad of cash on this giant kind of rough earthing sheet, but to just have a little thing on your body that connects you to the earth. If you're dealing with like surgery or professional athlete grade inflammation, you might want to go with something a little bigger like the pad. But what I've been doing instead is I've been working on a new way of inducing sleep, which we'll be coming out with in a little while. And I'm going to kind of save that one because it's a long conversation. But I also just added in an entrainment device. And entrainment is a way of telling your biology, like giving it a signal it can follow. And I've used sounds and I've used electricity and there's many different ways to sort of push the brain into a certain state. But this new device, which is kind of out there, it's hard to find even, it's called the Earth Pulse. And it runs about 600 bucks and it creates a pulsed electromagnetic field. There's a YouTube video on our channel of me using a really high-powered pulsed electromagnetic field on my arm. And you can see the muscles like jumping under the skin just from magnetic stimulation without even necessarily touching the skin. So what this thing does, it goes under your bed and it creates a delta wave, the very deepest healing sleep where you get physical recovery. And I've been sleeping with that under my mattress and it you know, pulses for the number of hours that you have and it pulses specifically at one hertz, which is low delta. And you know what? I wake up feeling super refreshed but I haven't gotten good Zeo data yet, maybe because pulsed electromagnetic fields mess with EEG. I haven't really figured that one out yet, but it could just be that my sensors are getting old on my Zeo and Zeos are no longer manufactured. 
that was kind of a long example of biohacking, but it's really cool to just get a sense for what your body's doing and what you can do to sleep more in less time and things like that. This is our Q&A episode. About once every month or so, you'll hear Alexis and I go back and forth where we answer questions from the forums on bulletproofexec.com, from Facebook, from Twitter, from email, and from Instagram, and all the other places uh, where you'll find content about how to be more bulletproof. So we curate those, and we'll answer the very best questions here. So please ask us a question via any of those, and we'll do our best to get to it on this segment. You're also going to find that we're upping our frequency of podcasts to our new goal of two per week. I'm not going to promise that we're always going to have two per week, but I'm pretty sure that we're going to do two per week almost all the time. We're putting a lot of time and energy into this because there's so many amazing people out there who have so much knowledge and they just haven't been out. People don't know what they're doing. So we're going to do our best to get this stuff out there for you guys and to ask tough questions and to learn as we go. Alexis, take it away. Okay. Diogo from Facebook writes in, I have one question for you. How many eggs a day can a person eat? And if I don't have access to free-range organic eggs, um, does it matter? And does the way it's eaten count? So he really has three questions, but it's all about eggs. There's a movie called Cool Hand Luke. If you haven't seen Cool Hand Luke, you have to see it. It came out like in the 70s or something. And on that, I think he eats 60 eggs in an hour. So that's an upper limit. Now, you're not really going to be able to absorb more than, depending on your size and your digestive uh, demands and whatnot, somewhere around 30 to 50 grams of protein. So you can calculate how many eggs you might want to eat at one time. If you're going to eat a lot of them, taking some protease digestive enzymes and betaine HCL, which raises acidity in the stomach, would be a very good idea. It's also a good idea to not eat eggs every single day. And I'm the world's biggest fan of eggs, so it is very easy to develop an egg sensitivity or even an egg allergy if you never give yourself a break. So I definitely recommend sometimes, particularly for the yolks, which are the very best part of the eggs, during the the pregnancy part of what Lana and I were working on for the Better Baby book, it was very common to have six or nine egg yolks a day, but only a couple egg whites. Yes, I know that's backwards, but it's cool because your friends can give you the yolks and you can give them your whites and everyone will be happy, except, well, your friends aren't very bulletproof if that's what they're doing. You should be fighting over the yolks where all the major nutrients are. So the first one was do, what should I do if I don't have access to, quote, normal eggs or or to, uh, if I only have access to, quote, normal eggs? You mean industrial eggs. And yeah, if you're at a hotel in China, well, eggs are probably a really good choice compared to many of the other things that you're likely to be able to find there that are just of questionable uh, source. The chicken itself naturally does a lot to keep as many toxins as it can out of the eggs. This is part of the reproduction of the species, and humans are the same way. If you're exposed to toxins, they're very harmful to a fetus, so the body does its very best to quote, take the hit, although there are some toxins that just go right through. So an egg is still okay if it's not organic, but really go to the trouble of organic whenever possible. So it's just that if you can't do it, you can't do it, and you're better off to eat, say, a non-organic egg than to eat a non-organic industrial chicken. I hope that's kind of helpful. The final thing there 
is how should you eat it? If it's microbiologically safe, and even industrial eggs in the U.S. are quite safe, well, then I go I go for raw. A raw runny yolk is really good. The white itself, though, ought not to be raw. It ought to be lightly cooked because raw yolks soak up biotin, more biotin than is actually in the yolk itself. So what does all that mean? That means that you should poach your eggs. Say that you want it poached and you want it runny in the middle. If you do it at the average hotel on the road, they always get it right. If you're gonna do that at home, here's the trick. Add some vinegar, just white vinegar or better yet apple cider vinegar if you don't mind the extra cost. Add that to the water and then kind of spin the water into a little eddy and then crack the egg in there. And you'll find that the egg kind of just comes together in the middle of that. And the vinegar in the water causes a little bit of denaturing of the outer layer of the egg protein so it sticks together. And that's how you get like those pro poached eggs at restaurants. You can do it at home too. Mark writes in about your favorite beef, Alderspring. And he wants to know, is Alderspring's packaging BPA-free? If you have a chance to listen to the previous podcast with uh, Glenn Elzinger from Alderspring, it's totally worth a listen. You can get all the details on bulletproofexec.com slash beef. These guys make the very best grass-fed beef that I've ever had. I've eaten at least two cows worth. I once bought half of uh, Glenn's daughter's prize-winning grass-fed cow from the fair. And I've been having this stuff shipped to me when I lived in the U.S. Uh, for, for many years. It's still what my, my family eats uh, who are living in the U.S. So this is 300 head of just beautiful cattle. The problem is because it's shipped through the mail, it arrives frozen and it arrives vacuum sealed in a relatively thick, durable plastic. Now, I've always sort of thought, wow, I should check on the BPA there. Then again, it's low temperature. I don't cook it in the plastic. I sure hope it's BPA free. But when Mark wrote in, it inspired me to actually contact Glenn and say, hey, what's the deal? And he said, quote, I'm getting a letter of guarantee to that effect from the manufacturer this very day. You're not the only one requesting it. So there you have it. The very best grass-fed beef I've ever had from like dozens and dozens of suppliers is indeed packed in BPA-free packaging. Bulletproofexec.com slash beef. Next question is actually from the Bulletproof team, and I'm going to ask it. Uh, it's a series of questions, and I'll ask them one at a time. What is better and why? A steam room, a hot tub, a sauna, an infrared sauna, or a hot shower? Well, it sort of depends on the problem. Let's say you're covered with poop. I really think a hot shower would be the way to go, not a hot tub. <laughs> this would be for getting, that's a great point. This would be for getting rid of toxins. Okay. All right. And, and or relaxing your muscles. So this changes things quite a bit. The hot shower is actually not a very good thing for anything other than maybe rinsing your skin. And the reason is that unless you have a whole house activated charcoal block filter at, at a minimum, if you're in a, most of the U.S., you're going to get chlorine or chloramine, and it's far more impactful on the body to breathe it than it is to drink it. So if you're taking a hot shower in industrialized filtered water, what you're getting is a lot of stuff you don't want, basically byproducts of the interaction of chlorine with organic chemicals. So I would steer away from lots of hot showers, and hey, cold showers are pretty fun. 
<laughs> at least if you're doing cold thermogenesis. Now the other question here, you know, a steam room versus a sauna, I'm assuming they mean a dry sauna or a hot tub or an infrared sauna. Hands down, if you want to detox, go infrared sauna. I've had an infrared sauna since 1996. Unfortunately, right now it's taken apart and sitting in the back of my uh, my basement because I don't have a good place to put it and I don't want it to get uh, exposed to the weather. So I kind of miss it and it'll go as soon as I move into uh, my new place that has a bit more space, uh, we're going to put it back up. So short story there, infrared sauna, it's it heats up the inside of your body and you sweat like nothing else in there. It's used for Lyme disease for detoxing people who have mycotoxins and for getting rid of things like mercury. So that is your very best bet. They're just harder to find and it's different than what you're gonna find at a health club where it's a little bit more communal. Then the difference between a steam room and a sauna, it's hard to know which of those is going to be better. Uh, there's something about breathing steam that's good for your lungs and a dry sauna makes you sweat. I kind of rate those about the same. And then you have the hot tub. Hot tubs relax your muscles really nicely but they're usually highly, highly chlorinated, which isn't that good for you. So I'd rate that lower. If you're in a private hot tub that's ozone treated or UV treated, that changes the story a little bit. And then I would say the hot tub is really nice for relaxation. And since I, I know which conversation this came from, since these were you know parts, uh, people from the Bulletproof team on one of our uh, internal calls, the follow-up part of that was like, what, if, what should you take during a sauna? And activated charcoal, which by the way, in a couple weeks, you'll be able to find the upgraded coconut charcoal on our site. I'm super, super stoked on that. But yeah, you want to take activated coconut charcoal pretty much most days because a little bit of that will electrically attract toxins in the gut and even in other parts of the body, things like pesticides and things like that. And you wanna just attract those and help your body naturally excrete them. If you're doing an intensive detox program, those have been used for thousands of years in Ayurvedic cleanses. They've also been used like by the military in military grade detoxing. And when you go to the hospital with poisoning, that's what they put in your stomach to help absorb poison. So it's one of these really broad spectrum, useful, natural substances that's out there. So definitely I would take that if you're really looking to use any kind of toxin for any kind of detoxing for toxins in the body. And what about the, are there any benefits to alternating between a hot room, whether it's a sauna or a infra, infrared sauna or a hot tub to a cold bath and alternating temperatures? The so-called Russian shower going from hot shower, cold shower, hot shower, cold shower, or the Swedish sauna, you know, get really hot, roll in the snow, get hot, roll in the snow. These are basically techniques related to cold thermogenesis. And what you're doing there is shocking the automated systems that protect and manage your body so that they become less hypersensitive. It, it ends up calming you down because it stresses the body just briefly. Kind of like exercise makes you stronger, this kind of treatment actually makes your nervous system more resilient. I think it's a good practice, but watch out if you're not used to it. You can actually do really weird things to your blood pressure, especially if you have adrenal dysfunction and you try and do hot, cold, hot, cold showers. Uh, you can actually pass out from that. That's not good. Our next question comes from a support email from Timothy B, and he wants to know about time management and bulletproof scheduling and how do you prioritize your tasks, navigating your way through the day bulletproof style. I've struggled throughout 
my entire career with finding the best way to manage time. And I've carried a Franklin Day Timer. I had the very first Palm Pilot ever made and found that the calendar is the central thing for me. I've also been a getting things done sort of GTD aficionado for several years. Getting things done is a very precise methodology for filing everything. And the thought process behind getting things done is that if you write everything down, you can stop being afraid that you forgot something, therefore you'll relax. It totally works. The problem is that the act of writing everything down doesn't scale very well when you're really, really loaded like I am right now. I just do not have the time to file and manage all this stuff. So what I did instead is I hacked my nervous system to handle more information and to not stress about things that truly aren't life-threatening. So I can look at my email and go, I'm not going to get through this today, but I don't at some deep level feel like I'm going to die. So the short answer there is experiment with time management systems to see what works for you. Uh, I'm kind of a fan of the Pomodoro method. I've been experimenting in another biohack that I haven't talked about yet of using the 25 minutes of work and then a five minute break. I do 25 minutes of work and then five minutes of Bulletproof Vibe, this whole body vibration platform, and then 25 minutes of work. And I'm not positive that that's something that I will be doing a whole blog about, but it works really nicely. And that neurological stimulation that comes from standing up for just five minutes before I sit back down and dive into another task, that works great for getting work done. But a lot of my work now is you know, working on the phone, talking with people, and then writing. So Pomodoro style stuff for writing works really well. And in terms of prioritizing tasks, reduce your stress, upgrade your memory, upgrade your brain, and get help. As soon as you can afford it, even if you're relatively early in your career, find someone who's really, really good at support, even if it's just for a few hours a week, and figure out how to get them to help you. What are the things you're doing that you dislike the most that provide the least value add and get those off your plate? In my case, it's calendaring. You will always hear if you try and reach me, hey, Dave, can we talk at so-and-so time? I'm going to respond almost like an autoresponder. Please talk to Nikki. <laughs> She'll tell you when we're going to talk because I could spend so much time managing requests to talk to me that I never talk to anyone. And that's something that I particularly don't really like. So if you ever reach out to me or if you're one of my clients, on the executive coaching side, listening to this, uh, yeah, that's why Nikki manages my calendar because I get three times more done when someone else does that versus me. So ask for help and you can get help for really cheap, uh, especially if you're willing to go overseas. Speaking of asking for help, another question that I've seen from many, many people is if they can't get any grass-fed butter, is regular butter better than no butter? And if not, what should they do? I can't say that there's a real answer or non-answer here. Most regular butter is probably a bad idea, especially if it's not organic. But if you have a choice between grain-fed organic butter and basically a low-fat diet or a diet with canola oil, ouch, that's not such a good choice. If you're going to dinner at a restaurant and this is your decision, just skip it. You don't need any dinner. You'll be fine. So eat whatever is there, but don't add extra butter on if the butter is the wrong kind. Go home and have some butter if you if you must. Bring some MCT oil with you and surreptitiously pour some on your food. No one will see you. But what do you do if you're on a trip and it's going to be two weeks and you're going, I need some fat? At that point, 
I would say if you can get organic butter, definitely. If it's industrial butter, it's kind of like pouring canola and corn and soy oil on your food, and I just don't really recommend it. Your skin will show that you did this. Like You'll see the inflammation the next morning. I don't recommend it. At a minimum, go for ghee if you can do that or clarified butter. Uh, but I, I don't think you're going to like the effects if you eat regular butter on a regular basis. So if you live in Canada and you don't have access to grass-fed butter because you're not friends with an Amish or Mennonite farmer, then then what? Skip the butter, organic, just do ghee? I would love to see like butter riots in Canada, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon because I get this question every day. I mean, I, I live up here and I'm fortunate that I'm in the U.S. a lot so I can get my, my quota of grass-fed butter. And it is legal to import uh, small amounts of butter for personal use. And so you can do that if you live near the border. But if you're somewhere in the interior, far away from the border, you need to find a farmer. And depending on what province you live in, you can get grass-fed butter. And in some provinces, it's illegal to do a cow share. And this has to do with antiquated industry protection practices. So foreign milk producers don't dump their butter in Canada. But it kind of makes me sad that this amazing country, Canada, you can't buy butter like gourmet butter from different places even though in china at a high-end grocery store i can buy more brands and more variety of global butter than i can in canada and canadians deserve a better so that antiquated law just needs to be edited and fixed to say you know artisanal grass-fed butters from france and from italy or from wherever else from germany and certainly from ireland should be allowed i, I think they allow cheese from those countries why not butter Sounds good. Maria Clemencia from Facebook writes in, what are your thoughts on low-fat plain kefir? I know you recommend full-fat dairy if dairy is tolerated. Can you please explain why, and if so, perhaps recommend a, bland, a brand that carries full-fat kefir? Kefir, if you're new to this, is kind of like yogurt. It's a fermented milk product. But I don't recommend low-fat plain kefir because the fat is the precious part of the dairy. And it looks like you're going to be able to get something that you could call kind of healthy, but it's at least got to have full fat. It needs to be grass-fed and raw kefir, and most of the pre-made ones don't work very well. And if you get granules from someone else who has kefir, not the... Uh, not the starter packs you buy online necessarily with the powder, but actually live granules, it seems to have a different effect. So a couple of my clients have had profound effects from eating very high amounts of homemade raw milk sourced kefir made with granules. The reason fat matters is that you're trying to get butyric acid, which is a fat. It's one of the things that really helps to heal the gut. So if you're getting low fat everywhere you go, it's actually likely maybe it's organic maybe it's not but it's probably not something you really want to be consuming make it yourself from raw milk or don't really do it i consider it to be a risky food if it's just made from normal homogenized pasteurized milk our next question comes from chris through email she says, I was wanting to know how i can bulletproof that dreaded monthly period my three biggest problems are cramping moodiness and bloating I'm also on the birth control pill. Does that have any effect on these problems? You know, I love questions like this because usually my bloating would come from pizza and it's not related to, uh, you know, where, where the moon is right now. But the short 
version of the answer to this question is the birth control pill is really, really not good for you. I wrote about this extensively with my wife, Dr. Lana, in the Better Baby book, and it's really worth taking a look at that and reading the chapters on what it does to you. You were not meant to have that much estrogen. There are links between cancer and the birth control pill. Every woman I've known who's gone off the birth control pill, gone on to something like the Bulletproof Diet and cleaned up their environment has experienced profound improvements in the way they feel and the way their body works around their monthly period. So if you're dealing with cramping, pain, moodiness, and bloating, you can also do some things with amino acids like tyrosine and L-glutamine. In fact, Julia Ross, a friend who has spoken a couple times at the Silicon Valley Health Institute, the anti-aging nonprofit group uh, where I'm the chairman, has really written a couple great books about this. I think The Mood Cure and The Diet Cure are the titles from memory. And she had some really good things about how to use amino acids and how to balance your neurotransmitters to handle the moodiness. Uh, the pain and bloating you can certainly handle with more of the bulletproof kinds of techniques and getting off the pill measuring and monitoring your hormone levels and more than likely adding some progesterone. And another trick that really works well that's kind of just epigenetic and way cool is sleep in a room that's pitch black. Really, really important. But on the night the moon is full, open your curtains and let the light in. And this can have huge effects on making your cycle synchronize with the gravitational or maybe light dark cycles of the earth. And I've known more than a few people who've benefited greatly from that trick. Alexis, you have maybe a bit more hands-on experience with this than I do. <laughs> what are your tricks? Just a little bit. So actually, one of the major things that I noticed is once I switched to the Bulletproof diet, um, pain and cramping went away. I, I never had any moodiness except as related to moodiness caused by pain. Um, and I can measure it in the amount of Advil that I take. So pre-Bulletproof, I had to take probably 8 to 10 Advil and sometimes Vicodin to deal with the pain. Um, and post-Bulletproof, I'm basically taking one Advil for the entire, uh, that entire period. And I, it, it, it's probably actually one of the better things to keep me on point in terms of the Bulletproof diet because it, it, it's immediate feedback. Uh, well, not quite immediate, but it's monthly feedback in the sense that if I've been eating dirty, like I suffer. So, uh, and I haven't been on the pill for seven years. Uh, and I've noticed, um, I feel better. <laughs> I did it twice. You didn't catch it the first time. I, I did. Um, I, was too <laughs> uh, I, I didn't, uh, I haven't been on the pill for seven years. And, um, two, two reasons I went off is one, because a friend of mine ended up, uh, developing liver issues, um, because of it. It's not a bioidentical hormone in most cases. And then another reason is I was reading that the pill in some cases can reduce sex drive in women. So those are two things not exactly my favorite. There's one other trick that is totally worth knowing about, and it's called get some ice cream. You can look for it on the site. It's a recipe, but it's an ice cream that's very, very high in fats that the woman's body needs in order to have healthy cycles. It's part of what restored my wife Lana's fertility after she was dealing with polycystic ovary syndrome when she was 35. We ended up completely reversing that. And one of the main recipes for doing that was this amazing ice <clears throat> cream. So check that out. 
The next question is from the blog. A. Stevenson asks about advanced biofeedback brainwave training. He wants to know, because we're not all internet millionaires who have the luxury of being part of, uh, to be able to part with 15 grand, uh, what is the poor man's version of your 40 years of Zen meditation? And can you suggest any ways to cobble together a cheaper alternative for those of us who aren't rich? Well, when I first went to do the 40 years of Zen training, I certainly was no millionaire. I mentioned I made $6 million when I was 26. The company that did that went bankrupt a few years later in the dot-com implosion. And, you know, I, I over the course of years, I really wasn't that particularly wealthy. I was comfortable but not rolling in it. The first time I did the training, I literally put it on my Discover card and paid it off over a year because I did it between jobs. And it was one of the smartest things I've ever done. I've put together 40yearsofzen.com. It's light on info now, and I'm actually putting this kind of info out there. The short version of the training is that you can learn to put your brain in the same state as someone who's done daily Zen practice for 40 years, and you can do it in seven days. The thing that really, really irritates me is that it costs $15,000 to do it, and that's in part because there's a team of like six or seven people supporting you. It takes all day, every day for seven days, and you're hooked up to $11 million worth of technology. Like, it's a big thing, and it's one of the most important things I've uh, I've done. In fact, it's the single most impactful bio, biohack. Before that, though, going back all the way to about 1998, I've had my own EEG machine at home, and I've played with this stuff. I've also gone to five or six different neurofeedback institutes, different neurofeedback programs, I have two other neurofeedback devices now, in addition to that original one, including a clinical grade QEEG unit. So the short answer is I've been searching for the last 15 plus years for the poor man's version of this. And what I ended up with was at the very low end, a $99 open source EEG device that simply doesn't do what it needs to do because the feedback loop is too long on it. You can do a two channel EEG but the problem there is that you really need to know what to do. Like, what? how do you want to train your brain? What we're doing in the 40 years of Zen is we're up-training alpha in the right spots on the brain, uh, primarily depending on who you are, and this is all customized in, in the course. Depending on who you are and what your brain does naturally, you may have high alpha waves in the back of your brain or maybe in the front of the brain, and an imbalance between the left and right can actually be a gift versus a curse. For instance, in my case, the more training I've done, and I've done four, essentially four weeks of this now, and what happened is that my brain started doing more and more where the left occipital alpha is much higher than the right occipital alpha. And this is unusual because I'm right-handed, and normally that doesn't seem to happen. Well, the trainers um, who've done the research behind this said, oh yeah, that's kind of funny. That's correlated with very strong giftedness in speaking and in writing, which are areas where I spend an enormous amount of my time. So probably because of what I do on these podcasts and the writing, the almost quarter million words or so on the Bulletproof Executive side and the book and my other career, I think that, that I've kind of trained my brain that way. So what do you do if you want to get somewhere in the middle? 
this has been an area of interest for me because I want neurofeedback to be in every school. I want it to be in every prison. And I think it's one of those things that can take people who are struggling greatly to teach their brains and their bodies to do what they want them to do. And it can just remove the struggle and it, it just makes things so much faster and easier, not just during the training, but for everything in life, whether it's, you know, whether you're at, at home making dinner and just not being stressed or whether you know, you're on the court and just you know, working really, really hard, you know, swinging a tennis racket, it doesn't really matter. So if you go to Upgrade Itself and you look at the technology section, I actually carry a system called the Neuroptimal. This is the world's cheapest neurofeedback in that it costs about $18 a session. For $5,500, you get 300 sessions, each of which is a little bit more than a half hour. 300 sessions in a physician's office or in a therapist's office is going to cost you about a minimum of $100 a session, oftentimes $150. So let's see, what is that, $30,000, $35,000, you get the thing for $5,500, but it comes with 300 sessions. So you split it with two or three other people, and all of a sudden you're going to spend a couple thousand dollars, maybe as low as $1,500. And let me tell you, if you can do even 20 sessions of that, you're getting a lot of neurofeedback. But if you do 50 sessions, you'll have had more neurofeedback than 99.9999% of people. And this is something that I have at home. It's something that I use kind of for brush-ups between the times when I go in with my you know, CEO kind of clientele and I go in and I attend the 40 years of Zen training with them. So if you're getting going, go to the Bulletproof Forums, hook up with a couple other people. And this is the cheapest way on earth to get neurofeedback that works that I've ever found. And if you know a way that's cheaper and you're listening to this, tell me. Like I desperately want this to be available like to everyone on the planet, it is that important for people's performance. So you guys can help me if you're hearing this. Tell me what works really well. Tell me what's really, really affordable, and I will talk about it. it it's part of my mission. Jesper E. writes in from the blog, why do most yogi or qigong masters live on a more or less vegan diet? Do you know why? Is this one of those questions that like, the police ask you, like, you know, does your mother know you're guilty? It's actually yeah. not true that most yogi and qigong masters live on a more or less vegan diet. That's something that some vegan people have promoted. There are some sects that do a vegetarian diet, but there aren't a lot of vegans out there from any of the traditional disciplines. In fact, uh, I just forgot the guy's name and I said, um, I caught myself. The guy who does super hot yoga. Bikram? Thank you. So one of Bikram's friends uh, and I uh, are uh, our associates, and he actually told me about a vegetarian who came in and just could not make it through class, and how Bikram walked up and said, eat meat, and walked away. <laughs> so I will tell you my experience in Tibet. I saw a yak skin on a prayer pole. I just finished 10 days of being a vegetarian at a Buddhist monastery, and the llama, the head guy, you know, crimson robes and the shaved head and all, is standing there. And I said, how can you have a dead animal skin on your prayer pole? You're a hypocrite. And he laughed and he said, one death feeds everyone. We need meat. We need butter in order to function, in order to work. So I just don't buy it that somehow spiritual masters or people with lots of energy 
are vegan or vegetarian. They are not vegan historically. That is incredibly actually bizarre from a spiritual perspective. There's very, very unusual. But vegetarian does happen, but it doesn't usually happen for many, many, many generations for reasons that you can read about in the Better Baby book. It tends to cause problems when people eat tons and tons of starch and carbs, which is what you do if you are a vegetarian, especially historically. Because, you know, historical vegetarians really didn't have access to kale year-round flown in from Chile and things like that. So be cautious about that assumption that these people with special powers have a vegan diet. One of my yoga teachers, and I studied very seriously for about five years, his name is, uh, is Kenny Graham, and he's somewhere around in the Bay Area. And uh, hey, Kenny, if you're listening, what's up, man? When I met Kenny, he was a young man, uh, mid-20s, and struggling with brain fog, fatigue, and trying to teach an intense yoga schedule, five classes a day kind of thing. And he was not doing that well. And I sat him down and I said, dude, you got to eat. Like you are really putting your body through the ringer. And we worked on his nutrition and I took him out to dinner and we ate steak and we ate fish and things like that. He ate eggs and he came back. And in fact, if you've searched on Facebook, you'd probably find his comments saying, yeah, you know, Dave really helped me come back from that. So if you're a high performance person, if you want to meditate, there's a reason that Tibetans have yak butter tea. Yak butter tea is not vegan. So turn your brain on all the way. Give it every advantage you have if you are on a path of Qigong or a path of spiritual growth or a path of yoga and athleticism because you are not going to be all you can be. You're not going to be bulletproof if you're going that vegan direction. I don't say that because I dislike vegans. I love that vegans care as much about food quality as I care about it. I just want us to all agree on killing less things, including killing things in our soil, and on how to live optimally in harmony with the environment. And I believe my recommendations achieve that. RT Panic from Twitter says, so what's the deal with bulletproof alcohol? Is drinking butter and alcohol okay? I am more asking about how bad health-wise is it to make a bulletproof coffee and add booze? I don't think alcohol is particularly healthy. I don't believe most of the studies that say, oh, a glass of alcohol a day is particularly good for you. There's a lot of uh, confounding variables in those studies. For instance, what kind of alcohol, what were the people doing, and what are all the things around them? But I can tell you that if you're going to drink alcohol, there are lots of things you can do to choose alcohol that has a lot less of the mold toxins in it that are present in most unfiltered alcohol. And this is why if you look around on the site, you'll find the bulletproof infographic on alcohol. And there I've categorized alcohol from the most hangover inducing, most toxin associated to the least toxin associated. And I described the protocol to raise glutathione in the liver in order to let you enjoy an occasional drink. There's a really interesting study about MCT oil that you can find if you Google around online. And it talks about alcohol-induced liver injury and eating medium-chain triglyceride oil. So that's something that's worth looking at. And one of the cool things there is that this kind of oil can actually make your body more resilient. And when you're more resilient, you can handle your alcohol better. So short, short version, if you're going to add something to your Bulletproof coffee to give it that much of a kick, you're probably going to feel really good because you get the energy and the effects of the alcohol. 
in that case, add vodka or even Everclear. Go for the most expensive quality filtered quadruple, triple charcoal filtered vodka you can get and make it potato-based, not grain-based, and you'll probably have a really awesome party. So no bulletproof Baileys and cream? Sadly, I don't think so. Okay. Make It Ring asks, what would you do about liver enzymes? I'm assuming that they mean what would you do about high liver enzymes? High liver enzymes come from things stressing the detox system of the liver. Sometimes people say, oh, the Bulletproof diet is like like the Atkins diet. It's not. The Bulletproof diet is a moderate protein diet where you focus on proteins that cause much less inflammation. So that means that if you're eating a ton of protein and you have elevated liver enzymes, you might want to back off. You might want to look at things like, do I have a low-grade infection? Do I have teeth that are sore? It's amazing what your liver enzymes can do if you have a, an infection in your jaw. Do I have a cold? And also, am I getting exposed to toxins in my food or in my environment? And when you address those things and you naturally help the liver raise its own antioxidant systems, you can do some kind of amazing things. One of the things you can do is support the production of glutathione naturally. Glutathione is something that is present in every cell in your body. We sort of call it the master antioxidant, although that's a bit of a marketing term now because people say that, I think, about goji berries at this point. So it is a primary antioxidant in the body, and it is the number one most important chemical in the liver for preventing damage to the liver. If you drink too much alcohol or if you take too much Tylenol, it's glutathione that runs out first. And when it runs out, you start getting liver damage. So more water, less protein, but not a protein deficient diet and looking for food sensitivities and looking for sources of toxins in the environment and then boosting your glutathione levels in the liver. You can do that to a certain extent by taking vitamin C and an amino acid called N-acetylcysteine. This is a very old way of protecting the liver, and it works, except it's rate limited, so you can only do so much of that. After that, you need to find a way to get extra glutathione into the liver and into the body in order to support the natural ability of the liver to detoxify itself. And my favorite way of doing that is liposomal glutathione, which is a product that I manufacture. Maverick AZZ from the forum writes in, before becoming bulletproof last November, I lived on what the average Australian and certainly almost all Americans would call a clean diet of home-cooked meals. It was gluten-heavy, lots of pasta and bread. Literally every dinner would include bread, even if there was pasta. I don't typically display celiac symptoms. What can I do to heal the gut and intestinal tract? Is there a basic protocol to clean someone out? What about L-glutamine, specific probiotics, homemade kombucha or sauerkraut, and is there a heavy-duty protocol that'll clean anyone out? Was that like 10 questions in a row? 10 questions in a row. All right, let's see if I can just magically remember them using my magically upgraded brain, or more likely that there's a list of them in front of me because you sent them to me right before this. First one is I've been eating kind of crappy, certainly not bulletproof, but I don't likely have celiac disease, or if I do, I don't know it. And then what can I do to heal the gut and intestinal tract? One of my favorite words of all time, butter. Butter from grass-fed cows is about 5% butyric acid. Butyric acid has a really nice effect of healing the gut. It's one of the things that some people make in the gut when they have their, uh, their gut bacteria working properly and they eat some carbohydrate. 
it's my experience that many, many people either don't produce it or don't produce very much of it, and they have problems, and butter can be profoundly healing of the gut. The other thing that works amazingly for the gut is L-glutamine. And here, I've used L-glutamine for 15 years to, to deal with brain fog. If you're feeling tired and getting food cravings, and you take 5 or 10 grams of L-glutamine, it's like someone turned the lights back on. It really helps. Since... Since I've done that for many years, I kind of backed off about four or five years ago when I started using MCT oil or the Upgraded Brain Octane, which is uh, an extract of MCT oil that's more purified. And I find that L-glutamine serves as brain fuel and your brain sort of gets starving for sugar or for glucose. And if you give it L-glutamine, it helps with the brain, but L-glutamine itself heals the gut. And the guy who really, I think, pushed the limit here and did it well was Tim Ferriss. In 4-Hour Body, he recommends this insane amount of L-glutamine. It's 80 grams a day for three days, like super heavy dose of L-glutamine. And I've tried it, and I know a few of my clients have tried it too, and it works. It seems to really help the gut function. So thank you, Tim Ferriss. I had never really consciously gone up to levels that high. I always stopped around 30 or 40, and... Uh, he said, do it for a short period of time. The risk to your kidneys and liver is pretty darn small. So, you know, ask your doctor if you've got something big going on. But I think heavy dose, short term L glutamine, along with regular administration of L glutamine, but not at 80 grams a day, is a pretty good idea. I'm a fan of soil based organisms, which are a class of probiotic, a little bit different than what you normally see. People talk about lactobacillus and things like that. Homemade kombucha and sauerkraut, I just don't recommend it. There are some people out there who really, really love the stuff. And Doc Fermento, I've been on his podcast. Um, we've talked about it. Uh, there's Michael Allen Smith up in Seattle who has a pretty cool blog. And he, to his credit, is very open-minded. And he's gone through and gone off fermented vegetables and back on two times testing out Bulletproof principles. And he's like one of four people who says he doesn't really like Bulletproof coffee. Um, he likes, I think, the beans, but he didn't like the the buttery taste. And uh, that's cool. You don't have to like the buttery taste. You just have to like how it makes you feel. And if you make it right, it doesn't taste like butter anyway. So anyway, what Michael does is he makes like buckets of sauerkraut and lives on the stuff. And I would guess if we, there was a way to measure it, that he is one of the few people who makes a ton of something called diamine oxidase in the liver. DAO is the short name for this. And people who have a lot of that can eat enormous amounts of dietary histamine, which is formed when any vegetable, especially the ones with protein, uh, when they are fermented. So if you're making homemade sauerkraut and you're like most people with average or even low production of this enzyme, you'll get waves of histamine from your food that are not going to be particularly useful. You will get some butyric acid from the fermentation if you're just lucky enough that your homemade kombucha or sauerkraut is populated with the right fungus or the right bacteria. I've made lots of homemade kombucha. In fact, I used to have a big thing of it. The problem there, though, is that eventually it grew some mold on top of it, and the culture drifts, just like sourdough or anything else, and we've changed the soil biome of our planet. So you're going to run into issues of just not knowing what's growing and then not knowing what toxins it's making. So I think it's a little bit kind of foolhardy to ferment your own vegetables without having a very specific type of bacteria 
in it. And even then, you need to know, did you get rid of all the other ones that were naturally floating around? To experiment with that, I've gone through all kinds of experiments using specific strains. And most of the time, I think you need to be cautious about it. I don't recommend that as a general path to gut health. But I know a few people who have really, really improve their health by eating tons and tons of fermented vegetables. I just find it doesn't work for more people than it works for. Transcendent Trainer from Twitter asks, do you ever have any dry mouth when bulletproof fasting? And is that a sign of needing some extra carbs? Bulletproof intermittent fasting is the idea of eating only bulletproof coffee, a mixture of upgraded coffee beans, upgraded MCT and grass-fed butter in the morning, no protein and no carbs. And that means that you go about 18 hours with eating only fat or eating nothing at all, and then you consume a normal amount of calories the rest of the day. So if you're hearing this and you haven't tried bulletproof fasting, that's what we're talking about. And you shouldn't normally feel a dry mouth when you're doing that. If you're new to bulletproof fasting, you may experience that as your body goes into ketosis and it starts burning toxins that you've been storing in your fat for a long time. So you may feel what Atkins dieters traditionally call dragon breath or keto breath. And this should go away after a little while because you're consuming a lot less toxins on the Bulletproof diet and you'll find you wake up and you don't have bad breath and you don't have BO and your skin clears up and they, you just feel better and you're, you're not kind of like a stink machine like you used to be just from your pores. You don't smell like you used to. So dry mouth can happen during that phase and what you do then is you drink more water and maybe some activated charcoal and maybe even some L-glutamine in order to help with that. If you're doing bulletproof intermittent fasting and at night you're only eating vegetables and meat, especially not that many vegetables, then it could be a different cause. And here what you want to do is it's okay to have 50 or 75 grams of carbs a day, especially with MCT oil or brain octane oil you'll be able to maintain some ketosis even in the presence of glucose. So what I think you want to do there is you want to just try upping your carbs a little bit. If you go zero, zero carb for long periods of time, you can give yourself food allergies. I did that. Actually, it's one of my very all-time favorite foods. Right now, I'm not eating eggs for about six months because when I did three months of zero carbs other than one serving of broccoli every day, I didn't have enough carbs to manufacture mucus to protect my gut lining. And some eggs uh, basically got through when I gave myself leaky gut that way. So I learned a valuable lesson about being a biohacker, which is, well, you should eat a few carbs. Just don't eat them all the time. And for guys, once a week, after you know you're in ketosis, have a carb refuel day. And for women, once or oftentimes twice a week, do it. If you don't do it, over time, you're going to get adrenal fatigue anyway. The, the refuel is important. I don't recommend the Tim Ferriss style refuel where you eat so many toxins and you just eat kind of garbage on your refuel day because it'll take you four or five days to get rid of all the toxins and you'll have food cravings all the time and be miserable. So you might as well just eat a clean refuel day. And that's going to help with the problem. Next question comes from Facebook. Bob Hagen asks, does anyone know if adding the upgraded cacao butter will take you out of ketosis in the morning? The, the butter itself will not. What about the chocolate powder? The chocolate powder in moderate doses won't do it. There's a little bit of protein in it, though, and a little bit of carb. So if you're adding a tablespoon or two, I've never had it take me out of bulletproof intermittent fasting, but somewhere 
around two tablespoons or more, I think it starts to get questionable as to how sensitive are you to protein and carbs and is that going to push you out. However, two tablespoons of that stuff is a pretty good dose of the powder. You can really make a nice, rich, thick drink that way. The other thing I'll do if I'm really concerned about it is I might only add a little of the chocolate powder or even none, but I'll put a teaspoon of the straight ground vanilla beans that we have, the upgraded vanilla. If you do that in butter and MCT and hot water and a little bit of your favorite sweetener, for me that would be xylitol or erythritol, you get like this amazing vanilla drink that gives you kind of a neat little kick, not what you'd expect. So that's something you can do to keep your protein and fat consumption moderate. And you can add as much of the cacao butter as you want to that. And you can add some of the cocoa powder, which gives it a very nice mocha finish. Final question. Dave, I see a ton of questions on a variety of topics, coffee, supplements, butter, other cost-benefit analysis types of questions. And I know you don't have a lot of time. What can you tell people so that when you're not available to answer a question, um, that they can help figure it out themselves? This is a really good question. It is relaxing and easy to have someone tell you what to do. It removes enormous inner stress that you're probably not aware of because it's not rational stress. Uncertainty about things like this comes from automated defense systems in the body that worry, well, if I'm uncertain, I might die. So this is a background process that that I deal with, that everyone deals with, and it's just part of, of the way our brains and our nervous systems evolved. So the first thing to do there is accept that there is uncertainty and you might die because you're going to die anyway. Even if you're a transhumanist, the odds are you're probably going to die eventually because the universe will come to an end. So if you accept that that is a foregone conclusion, you can stop worrying about it so much. And then you can say, all right, what am I going to do next? And the answer there is start paying attention. So you can Google and you can look things up and you can take a piece of advice online and then you can try it. And if they say, oh, you're feeling really, really awful. Oh, you're going to feel awful for a year, but it'll start to work eventually. And oh, I recommended that and I'm 200 pounds overweight, but I'm sure it would work if only I tried harder. It's probably not good advice. If you try it and you can feel it right away or it works really well within a month and you've noticed a change, then great. If you don't notice a change, then you can probably stop doing it or you can do more research and decide that you're not going to feel that kind of change but you believe that it's in your long-term best interest to do that. Focus your attention on the things that make you feel higher performance, make your skin clearer, make your eyes brighter, make your breath smell better, and make you want to wake up every morning and make you want to go to sleep every night with a smile on your face. If you do that, you will become more bulletproof by definition. Do something to improve yourself every day. You don't need me to tell you this. What you need is just an awareness, a constant question in your mind that says, how am I doing right now? Is it better than a minute ago? Is it worse than a minute ago? And if it's changed, the most powerful word you can ever ask yourself is why. And if you build that into what you do, you don't need me. You don't need anyone else. You've just become a biohacker. And if you start gathering a little bit of data, great. If the only data you have is how am I doing right now? There's nothing wrong with that. You're still a biohacker. Start changing your environment. Start changing the way you think, the way you act, the way you breathe, all of those things until you find what makes you feel bulletproof every day. Before we go, I'd like to give a shout out to the forum members, in particular, Jason Huber for high quality forum posts and being kind and helpful. 
Ocean Ray for helping new members and sharing N of One knowledge. Karen, she's been posting a lot on the biological requirements of men versus women and helping to fine tune things, particularly for female members. And Big Papa Chakra, demonstrating high level research and doing some really deep dives into some of the things that we take for granted. Did you just say Big Papa Chakra? I did. Isn't that a great name? I'm not sure how I feel about that. Does it make you feel a little dirty? <laughs> Lovely. Uh, no. But uh, seriously, thanks, everyone. If you haven't checked out the Bulletproof forums, bulletproofexec.com slash forum, and you will find there are tens of thousands of answers there. The Bulletproof community of people who care about not just you know, being average or being healthy, but about being bulletproof, just feeling as high performance, as good as they can every day. It's it's amazing how many people have come together around the idea of just kind of having a revolution against mediocrity and not accepting that in themselves or in the way they treat themselves. So these guys know more than I do in some, I guarantee you. So go to the forums, ask questions. We get the best questions from the forums, the ones that are hottest topics forwarded, and I'll talk about them on the air with Alexis. So please do ask there, ask on Facebook, ask everywhere else, and accept the answers and the knowledge that come from all these amazing people who support the idea of being in a state of high performance all the time. And my personal thanks to every one of the people we just listed and everyone else who's participated on the forums because it is awesome and it, it's just truly touching to see how it's taken off like that. I really value that. See you next time, Dave. Bye, Alexis. If you liked this podcast, please rate us in iTunes. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.